Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, we take on the subject of anger. When is anger righteous anger, and when is it not? We're calling it the one about when we get angry. So sit back and relax, and we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right, Nate. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. It's been a little bit for us. I uh, We were both traveling last week. Yes, we were. I went to Kansas, woo, where it was snowing and icy and nasty and cold, and you went to Hawaii. So I've decided not yeah. to talk to you. Podcast over. <laughs> I had some friends, lots of friends up in Kansas City and Every one of them that texts me, like, are you going to M19? I was like, I'm going to Hawaii. And they were like, you jerk. And that was the end of the conversation. (laughs) But I will say the first night we were there, we got into a windstorm that actually uprooted some trees by the hotel and stuff. So I thought I was back in Oklahoma for one night. Yeah, it kind of felt like Kansas without the cold, huh? The wind without the cold. Yeah, and then it became paradise. All right, well, yeah. Yeah, I know you kept posting about how much paradise you were enjoying uh i ran into your old boss cb glidden my old yeah, boss CB yes glidden good guy right Fort there Worth. and uh he uh, he said you know in my in my days of ministry i've i've never been invited to do a wedding in hawaii and nate has been invited to do two yeah the last one was in the bahamas oh it was the bahamas so okay he maybe he just yeah. meant tropics so and he said, yeah, but and then this one's not even the real deal. He said, oh, they were both they're both vow renewals. Yeah, but, so, <laughs> so it was yeah, like it wasn't even but, the first wedding; it was the second wedding. So yeah, so we got to actually our listener Jerry Harding. Uh, I'm not sure if Janie listens or not, but Jerry, one of our good friends and members at Community, he's an avid listener to the show. So shout out to Jerry and Janie. Got uh, remarried, did their renewal. On their 25th anniversary on Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. You can't get much better than that. No, why? Way to go. There was a little rain right before, and so we took some pictures, and everybody at my church is like, that's Photoshopped, because there was a rainbow like right behind (laughs) the couple. It was so beautiful. (laughs) I couldn't even believe it. That's ridiculous. So I heard you saw some other people there like, um, oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to No, that's fine. Yeah, I was accosted by Dre Murray. Uh, Dre yeah, Murray accosted by him because he's accosted me many times. <laughs> I'm just I used joking. to be a supervising pastor. I'm just joking. Dre didn't really accost me. I I, I wanted we to love say you, he, Dre. he he said he said I listened to the podcast because he's the one who issued the question about how political should pastors be, and he that's he, right. He kind of hinted at the fact that we were very political or very politician like in our handling of the question. In that uh, I said. Well, Dre, you just have to do cultural exegesis uh, so that you know how... Exegesis? Yeah, ex... 
<laughs> exegesis. No, no, no uh, not ex out Jesus, but exegesis, well, which means yeah. you simply have to evaluate your your uh, your culture around you to know how and your audience. Yeah, your audience. Yeah. How, how political you need to be. Because some places well, that'll get you fired, and then you won't have a voice at all. And other places it'll get you fired if you don't speak to politics. So you kind of have to do cultural exegesis just to to know what can be tolerated by the people you're around and how to how to manage that situation. So no, we had a good conversation uh, in the hotel lobby uh, late at night. Well, that's good. So Dre, yeah. it was good to see Dre. And that's what I love about those events. Oh, to be yeah. honest, are the conversations in the hallway. The seminars and the worship times are great too, but. But really, that's why I go uh, to really just connect with people. And I do think, you know, you don't survive very long in pastoral ministry if you can't be sensitive to the setting you're in. Sure. At least try to see other people's points of view. Yeah. And then I heard you saw my son there. I did. I did. The whole. It was weird for me not being there. And my son is like passing the baton. Oh, yeah. He was he was there and he was he was making a network for himself. He was. uh... That kid, he was just making. He doesn't have to work too hard. At he it. doesn't. He's just a noticeable kid. He's, he's a, a foot and a half taller than the whole crowd, so he sticks it's out. It's like you know the Samson hair, the uh, the height, and and he's a pretty friendly kid. And so yeah, sure. he's he's a pretty noticeable sure. kid. Mean, he he kept telling me I saw Michael, and then you know he would just tell me I saw your buddy Chad. So I was like I was kind of envious of that part. Good, but honestly good. I just had to walk outside. Well, and I yeah, was like, oh, we were trying I'm to good. we were trying to ruin paradise for you. Um. I'm good. <laughs> uh, no, one funny thing we did while we were in Hawaii um, was we recorded our morning announcements and for the church because we just wanted to be those kind of people <laughs> who were just sitting on the beach recording the morning announcements. So terrible. And I I did. You know the line from The Lion King, like, what do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula? So I I, I did the hula. I, I did wear a t-shirt because I didn't want to expose my congregation to that much of their pastor. <laughs> I wore a little white t-shirt, but I had the coconut bra and the grass skirt and everything. And, oh my goodness and, uh, gracious. That was the end of our announcements yeah. last Sunday. Yeah. So they were all in for a, a wonderful surprise, I'm sure. I'm sure they still haven't quite gotten out quite it. <laughs> I'm sure you, you got at least a little bit of commentary from that one. Oh, yeah, we did. On Wednesday night, I saw some people, and they're like, nobody could hear whatever happened after that because we were <laughs> laughing way too hard at you. So anyway. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm, so, sure, I'm sure Brent got a kick out of the whole thing. Yeah, we had a really good time. We got to um, we got to go do some whale watching and did the Polynesian Cultural Center. So uh, spent a lot of time with our friends too, and good. got some great restaurants and stuff. It was really really good, much needed break for me. Um, I'm going to class in San Diego in two weeks, so I'll get another <laughs> much. <laughs> you're so you're such a jerk. Uh, this you're a punk. this has been the worst semester of my life. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough. It's just tough. Me and, me and your buddy Joe Ibanez down oh, there, we're in the same class. He's been bragging. On Ezekiel. He's been bragging too. Yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. Gotta go talk about Ezekiel in San Diego. We're yeah. actually staying together, so we'll have a good time. <laughs> rent the car awesome. together. And yeah. So I get to be with one of my former students and a great pastor. Oh, Joe. In he's Georgetown. He's pastoring in Georgetown. He's just doing a bang up job. They've got two church plants that they're supporting right now. Two. Yes. I didn't know that. Uh, I knew one, there was one. One is a Spanish-speaking congregation, and uh, awesome. Uh, the other is a Wayfinders. Um, 
yeah. congregation that uh, is so kicking it's part off. of your your tribe within a tribe. Yes, and so uh, it's pretty pretty cool. He's been really great to our uh, to our guy up there who's uh, planting uh, Jake Isbell. He uh, he actually right? grew up in that Georgetown church and um, cool. And Joe has been great uh, as a mentor and encourager, not just to not just to Jake, but to to me and uh, my other Wayfinders compadres as well. Yeah, well, Joe is one of those young men that when he was in my youth group and I found out he had a call to ministry eventually and just watched him grow up, like I was like, I know that this kid is going to surpass anything I'll ever do. And that's kind of a cool feeling. Isn't like it? You, yeah. Not that you're in competition with anybody, but just oh, like no. just getting to watch them thrive and grow. And so I'm really proud of him sure. and uh, excited to be with him in a couple weeks here. So... I guess we should get to a topic today. You had a friend that texted in a question, right? Sure. I had a question from, uh, from Lauren who said, uh, can, you, can you please explain uh, righteous anger? And Because in, in her job, she deals with a lot of uh, folks who are angry. Um, and, uh, and she must, she must do some customer service. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, seems like that's where you get yeah, a lot of angry yeah, people. I, I don't, I don't know that I'm at liberty to tell you exactly well, what that's kind of job she has, but, um, she, uh, she was you just, could tell me, but you'd have to kill me. Well, yeah. is it that kind of deal? Well, no, it's not like a CIA kind of thing. It's just more <laughs> of a, uh, I'm just kidding. You know, counseling and that sort of stuff. So she's, uh, anyway, she, she was just concerned. Uh, what does it look like? Uh, to exercise righteous anger. When is it okay to be angry? And, yeah, great question. And so I, you, you know, got any, I'm sure you have some thoughts about that. Oh, sure. Well, immediately, you know, you think of Jesus in the temple courts, uh, turning over the money, the tables of the money changers, and you think, uh, well, I mean, I guess it must be okay to throw a fit every once in a while. Uh, Jesus threw a fit, and some people might go, Jesus did not throw a fit. That was a very, uh, you know, planned thing. Well, um, I, I'm not, I'm not certain exactly how planned it was. You know, depending on where you read about it in Scripture, he did he did make a whip, he braided a whip right. together on his way there. So, I mean, he knew yeah. he was going to do it when he got there. So, I don't know if a premeditated fit is better, or or a wild <laughs> loss of control fit is better. But you know, um, and, and he cursed well, then it. Jesus cursed the fig tree. He cursed tree. a fig yeah, tree. Yeah, going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then they said, look, the fig tree you cursed is dead. It's withered. And it wasn't even the season for figs. I know. That's what, <laughs> it really makes me laugh in that passage. Oh, yeah. Poor fig tree didn't stand a chance. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> Jesus was just mad. He just wanted a fig. Um, you know. And I think, yeah, there's definitely some teaching along with sure, that. Sure, sure. Jesus was But I, I agree with you. Making there's, a point. There's definitely places and times or anger. And, and I think sometimes um, I saw this article that said ease is the new vice and it like cut me to the core. Ooh, like, ooh come just, on. J- just being like comfortable and just um, being in a space where you insulate yourself from anything sure. that might make you angry sure. righteously. Sure. So from seeing people in suffering, right. uh, from seeing people that are hurting and broken right. um, by the world from seeing injustice. So I think all those times, especially, anger is definitely justified. Right. Um, because um, when you begin to beat with the heart of God, and I, I pray more and more each day that we will, um, when you have God's heartbeat, 
there are going to be some things in this world that really sure. upset you. Oh yeah, I mean, make you angry. if if you don't get upset by human trafficking, then you you don't right. know you don't understand what human trafficking is. If you don't if 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 rape and the selling of human beings as in the sex trade isn't an infuriating thing, then uh, then right. you just need to pay yeah. a little bit more attention, um, and you need to do it, well. And know. people starving, and oh yes, just going injustice, dying because racial they, yeah, injustice, dying for 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 reasons that could be easily fixed. You know, medications that could be readily available. Um, if if injustice wasn't taking place in government entities and economic situations, you know, uh, no child should starve to death or go without clean water. Um, you know, right, dis- yeah. dysentery should not be killing people anymore. Um, and right. these things should anger us uh, to the point that we do something about it. And I think that's you know that's the value in anger is that it w- it, it can be a motivator towards something. Uh, you know, important. But I think I think your commentary earlier, just a moment ago, about uh, you know uh, how we we tame we we we're just too tame about the whole situation. You know, we oh yeah, ease yeah, ease uh, is is a is a problem. You know, I think of uh, Christian activist uh, Shane Claiborne. Um, I don't know if he would go by that title or not, but that's kind of how I I think of him is that he is an activist. Right. And he leads a group of activists uh, in Jesus' name, and uh, he's. Uh, I think that's a pretty good title. Yeah, for and Shane. so he's, uh, you know, and he's controversial, and he gets in trouble, and he gets arrested, and he, you know, some some people would agree with him, and some people wouldn't, and uh, but he he says just some crazy, uh, powerful things. And one story that I heard him tell one time was he he was in uh, uh, he was in the Middle East, and he was there in. Uh, in Baghdad, uh, the night that uh, the bombing started a few years back, um, and uh, yeah, and we were doing the bombing, right? Yes, the, the America yeah. America was doing the bombing, and they had a gathering of Christians, a prayer vigil uh, of Christians. And Shane said, "I was standing there looking around, and I saw all these Christians coming from all over." And he was like, "Wow, there's a lot of Christians here." And one of the one of the pastors there said, uh, "Yeah, over there's the Tigris, and that's the Euphrates. You may have heard of this." This is kind of the, <laughs> this is kind of where Christianity began, um, yeah. and uh, he said he said yeah in America I think sometimes you guys think that you you uh, you started Christianity but you didn't you just domesticated it oh wow and yeah. you know oh just we so, domesticated it that just sounds like a terrible thing it's you know it reminds me of C S Lewis saying he's not a tame lion. Uh, talking right. about the character Aslan, um, you know, and and sometimes I think that we think God is tame, but God will do whatever the heck God wants to do, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. And and so I think there's some uh, there's some sense that we need to, you know, uh, we need to realize that some things are worth getting angry about, but that anger ought to it shouldn't cause you to sin. Right. Yeah. And and by sin I mean hurt people. It, anger yeah. shouldn't cause you to hurt people. Uh, I think we've bought into a myth of redemptive violence, and we think you know uh, that that's how that, that that righteous anger should drive us to kill the bad guy. Um, right. But yeah. But Jesus' anger moves him to redeem even the bad guy. Um, yeah, and I think one of the things you touched on there that I'd like to just throw something out there. Sure. It was a professor at SNU, and I don't honestly remember what professor it is, but used to say that. Look at what makes you angry, and that might be where your passion lies. Sure. Like, 
So the thing that makes you the angriest in this world is probably the thing that you're passionate about. And maybe that's where God is leading you then to get involved. Mm -hmm. Because obviously we can't do everything. Like each of us has a role to play. Each of us has a ministry. Um, Each of us has our own part. But we can't like... We can't try to do it all and solve it all, but we can get involved where we seem to think that God is leading us. And probably the area that makes us angry might be where that passion lies. And going along with not doing evil, I think we have become a culture of offense in that now when we get angry, there is no grace for the offender. Ooh, which like is a... In yeah. our culture. Yeah. Like we run people out of the building, man. Oh, I mean, or shout once down. you've crossed yeah. the line... yeah. We, we just get rid of them. And, and like you said, I don't think that's where anger should take us either. Now, sometimes we have to wrestle with because those feelings towards especially offenders, I mean, they get pretty deep and pretty personal, especially oh. if we've witnessed something similar. Like I'm thinking about like sexual abuse, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, like those offenders, we just run out of town. And, and yet I, we should do everything we can to stop trafficking and sexual abuse sure. and but at the same time, uh, that's the tough part is, is what do we do with that yeah. offender once, that in a, once we've... Yeah, that enemy yeah. love. What do, how yeah, do, how, how do, do we, we live that? How do we exercise enemy love? And I think that's at the heart of the question for anger, or it always is for me, is the people who make me angry, I generally want to write them off. Or, yes. Uh, or... Just get away yeah, from dehumanize Unfriend them. them. Yeah, I want, on Facebook. Yeah, they, yeah. I want to take their humanity away from them and vilify. We do that oh, a lot. Man, we talk so about that dangerous, a lot you know, because if you're if you're uh, exercising your passions on behalf of the poor, then those who have must naturally become villains if we buy into the dichotomies that the world wants to sell us. But that's not always true. Some, you know, we we want to pretend like, uh, you know. Education and wealth go hand in hand, but a lot of times, you know, you can you can be have everything and be ignorant, and you can have yeah, nothing sure. and be extremely educated. You know, I mean, so those things are not uh, mutually exclusive uh, things, and so um, it's if you acknowledge that, uh, then you you make it really hard to vilify people, and if you can't make people into villains, then you have to accept their humanity. And if you have to accept their humanity, then you hope that you could move on their behalf toward redemption. Um, and I think, right. yeah. I think that's the goal. And so anger, anger that's not driving us toward a redemption of, of the, you know, writing, when we say right the wrongs and we talk about justice, we think that, you know, um, well, we we've proven the way we feel about justice because we take the the criminal who was um, somebody's got to pay. Yeah, somebody's got to pay for this, uh, and and we take that criminal who you know in a lot of cases criminal behavior was uh, brought on because of isolation and abuse, and so then we our answer to uh, uh, to criminal behavior is to then put them in a place where they ex- experience more isolation and abuse. Isolation. And abuse, yeah, and yeah. so which is which is not helpful. You know, we've seen in uh, in the prison system uh, a movement towards uh, lowering recidivism rates, and uh, and that being the measure for how well the prison system is working. Uh, unfortunately, right. we can't we can't 
put them in a place of isolation and abuse and lower recidivism rates. Uh, yeah. What has so we need to look at like restorative justice. Restorative justice, and and in order to have retribution. Yeah. So in order to make money in the prison system now, if recidivism rates are the measure, then you have to hire somebody who actually cares and wants to see rehabilitation and redemption right. for yeah. for the criminal. Um, and so yeah. it's kind of this crazy thing that that you know the economy versus somebody who's just like a guard. Right. Just somebody who's just going to keep them pinned up. You know, yeah. um, you have to find somebody who's willing to put together programs that introduce them and put them face to face with their brokenness, with their hurt, with their anger, with their frustration, and help them move uh, in a positive way uh, toward reconciliation with those they've injured, um, with their right. families that yeah. they've been separated from. You know, uh, you could argue that they've abandoned uh, or at least been separated from because of their their activity. Um, yeah. So that when they get out, they want to move toward building healthier relationships. You know, move away from isolation and abuse, and towards community and and uh, redeeming relationships. And so that's uh, right. Yeah. You know, so we want, always want anger uh, to motivate redemptive behaviors. Um, yeah. If you're going to be not angry, just more, yeah. not just escalation, right. of the same. <laughs> right. Not re- yeah. not vengeance. And I think this is yeah. why Scripture teaches us that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, because He's, you know, God's the one who can handle vengeance. Uh, I, right. I think we'll all yeah. be dissatisfied, and I think Jesus kind of points to that for us that we're all going to be pretty dissatisfied with God's uh, with God's vengeance um, at some point because yeah. He's going to God's going to be maybe more gracious. He's going to turn to the criminal <laughs> on the cross and say, "Today you will be with me in paradise," and He's going to He's going to turn to the, uh, you know. Uh, the guy who comes to the vineyard at the last hour and says, "Hey, listen, I'm going to pay you the same as the guy who's been here right. all day." And you know, and, and we find ourselves getting huffy about those things. But everybody's going to get ticked off. About that. <laughs> but but God's you know justice exercised in love is redemption. I was going to see if I could move us in a little different direction. Sure, I, absolutely. I'm not sure what, what motivated Lauren's question, but I, I think, yes, we're talking about big things that make us angry. But maybe maybe one of the things that she's talking about as well is just the things in life that come at us day to day that make us angry. And how do we deal with those as Christians? Like just little offenses from people. Um, you think that may be part of the question as well? Sure, I, I think um, I think you know how do you how do you discipline your children as a parent when you're angry with them? Um, how do right. you how do you respect your parents as a teenager um, when you are angry with them for their disciplinary action towards you or their or their neglect or whatever? How, you know, just the day to day anger where we feel like we're justified in our anger. But we still right. have to remain in relationship with other people. How do we, how do we walk? Yeah, and like mm-hmm. when somebody stabs you in the back, for example, oh, you have every certainly. right to be yeah. angry. Mm-hmm. When somebody talks bad about you behind your back or smears you on Facebook, yeah. Um, one of the things that that was really helpful to me in my my last prayer class that we talked that this, this one of the authors talked about, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, was. This idea that we, in prayer, we acknowledge the anger, 
but we don't go with the commentary. So like uh-huh. many times what happens in our lives is, is we, something makes us angry. And what we tend to do is kind of shove it under the surface and just deny it. But in an honest and open prayer to God, one of the things we can do is then like acknowledge it. Hey, God, I'm really angry at so-and-so for <laughs> sure. this. Sure. You know, but the commentary that comes with it is, you know, what we tend to do is, I know, have you seen the way she does this? And <laughs> I can't believe sure. she sure. drives that car. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't believe the things she posts on Facebook. And it just becomes like huge and we vilify that person. So one of the things that I thought was really, really helpful is just to, you know, in prayer, be real with God about the anger that we have, not try to hide it. Because I think the tendency in Christian circles has been, oh, we don't get angry. We put a smile on our face. <laughs> sure. We're all going to heaven. Yeah. We just love everybody. Except, and, yeah, except that our social, our social political stances suggest that we need to defend God, and you've made God angry. So really, we've made you've made me angry uh, when you talk bad right, about God. Yeah. Now I need to defend God, but I'm really not defending God. I'm defending my position concerning God. Yeah. You know, and so uh, yeah, being honest about our, where our anger comes from is very, very helpful. Um, in in any kind of situation like that, that that l- lament. Um, yeah, it, it's still we get we keep coming back to it's it. It's just such an important because because what we know it's a lost art is that uh, the unvoiced lament just turns to bitterness. Yeah, and and bitterness drives anger and makes it hard to see and know where that anger came from. Um, but how often do we really do that? I mean, how often do we lament or do we teach people to lament? It's it's kind of a lost art, and it's also kind of our our learned behavior is just if we were brought up in nice kind of um what should i say <laughs> um congenial family where you didn't argue about things right and, you know the, the the first reaction is to just push it down if you're brought up mm-hmm. in a family that yells at everyone i mean maybe you get it out that way but the way you do it escalates the situation so much that sure. you just created another situation sure. and that to be angry about yeah, that problem. Yeah. That problem is that we've taught kindness, but we've not taught empathy. Yeah, um, I was having a conversation with a guy this week, and he was uh, um, talking about how he was trying to work through that with his kids. What What was the difference between kindness and empathy? And um, I think sometimes we can we can be nice um, to people, and we can do the polite, the social contract thing, and exercise right. kindness. But did we yeah. really put ourselves in their shoes? And that requires listening, and that requires time, and that kind of requires getting into the messiness of life with people. Uh, and so it's just easier to be angry at them and write them off and say that they are the bad guy and we are the good guy. And, you know, that escalation helps us do that. And I think this is where we have to also do some cultural exegesis because both of us have grown up in the <laughs> South. And so the South, sure. we're famous for... You know, some what was it having a sugar sugar in your mouth and I don't know there's something but <laughs> yeah. you you always you you're sweet to people's face and then uh-huh. sometimes when they leave it's like oh, yeah. you tear them down behind their oh, back. Sure. That's kind of a yeah, well, half, whereas you in know, the north the I think people are more abrupt. Half the congregation shakes the hand of the pastor at the door and then you go out to eat with them. Um, and I know I learned this as a youth pastor. You know that. <laughs> People say yeah. people say all kinds of nice things to the pastor uh, at at the back door of the church, but then once they get to lunch, 
they even talk about all the things that the pastor's not doing or not accomplishing. Yeah, right. You know, and, mo- yeah. and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's a struggle. Uh, now we're that, that person that they're talking about. Sure. You know, I said to, I, I've said to parishioners before, hey, uh, you know, if I didn't do well, just I'd appreciate you just tell me rather than rant about it in the car drive home. And uh, what I really yeah. mean by that is I'm trying to display to you an openness and a transparency that makes you feel comfortable to share things with me. But honestly, if I'm being honest, you know, just rant about it on your way home and tell me how great I am right now because that'll make me feel better about me. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, I think part of that, that anger, dealing with our anger is not just denying it. I guess that's what I've been trying to get at in this kind of little tangent here. Yes. Is we tend to deny our anger. And then when we deny that we're angry, it leads to all kinds of bad things. And so sure I think it's acknowledging with, uh, acknowledging with God, but also with one another. Hey, you know, that really hurt my feelings mm-hmm. or that really upset me, I, yes. what you said. I think that... Because that's a tough conversation to have. Sure it is. I think Les and Leslie Parrott... Uh, who are uh, marriage counselors, marriage uh, gurus? I, I don't know what to what to call them exactly, but they're just they're very sharp on conversations uh, between uh, between married couples and how to negotiate some of those things. And one thing that uh, Shelley and I learned uh, early on, and I, I, honestly, we're not always great at this, but we we've discovered, and I've and I've discovered this with couples that I've counseled over the years that uh, when you act this way, it makes me feel this way. Um, right. And so the disclosure of your feelings uh, and, how, um, and how those feelings were brought on by somebody else's actions uh, is an essential part of, of relationship. And when we deny that, basically we get down the road with a, with a, a big bundle of bitterness that we haven't expressed and, you know, uh, marriages end in divorce because uh, all of a sudden you're mad at me and I don't know why. Um, and, right. and, and so we need to be having those conversations along the way. Uh, and I think we do, we do ourselves a favor. It wouldn't make for good television if people behave this way uh, because the conflict wouldn't last nearly as long or get nearly as vehement uh, because we would say, you know, when you, when you did that, it made me feel this way. And and right. nobody is publicly going to go. Well, good. I was trying to make you feel that way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because you just don't make yourself look very good if it is your intention to go around hurting feelings. Um, so so we try to. I think probably for for entertainment's sake, sometimes we're we've been taught to avoid that conversation uh, because you can't make a, a thirty minute or an hour-long television show if in the first five minutes they say, well, when you said that, it made me feel this way. Well, I'm so sorry. You know, the, even Disney waits till the end of the television show to say that. Right. You know, because yeah. that, that's how you resolve things. And, uh, and so there's, there's an attempt to teach it, uh, but, but we certainly are more entertained by the, by the violent reaction than we are by the resolution of the problem. Yeah, when I'm doing like marriage counseling, I always tell them you don't have to use those exact words because Paul and I always feel really cheesy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whenever when you, you did this, it made me feel. Uh-huh. But there's other ways to communicate sure the are. same kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but when you said that, I was laughing. I can't remember if it's Les and Leslie Parrott, but they had this one marriage book that had like, a, it was a little bit, it was like, 
here's what to do on your honeymoon. And I was like, wow, I I didn't know that that was in this book. So anyway, it was pretty yeah. interesting stuff. Step by step, how to step by step guide for beginners. Yeah. I, so that's, yeah, that's a little. Uh, now I need to get that book, I guess. And yeah, I can't remember that. the name of it. No, I'll, I'm have, just to, I'll have to shoot you the email. I don't. I won't reread it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, I think, we digress. Yeah, anger is this is um, is a problem if you let it separate you from the thing that you're angry about. Um, I think anger is supposed to make us move closer toward either the evil that is being done or the person that we've misunderstood. Or the person who who probably if we just avoid them, I mean, think about in a world where we avoid the problem, the problem never changes, and the person who is responsible for the problem just goes through life. You know, if everybody gathers at the water cooler to talk bad about the guy who's always causing problems in the office space, um, but never addresses it directly to the person who's causing the problem, nobody ever grows. The the, right, the water yeah. cooler people bec- remain cowards, and and the guy who's causing the problem remains the antagonist, um, and never n- never realizes why he is alone in the world and why nobody likes yeah. him. And that and that's just not you know that's just not the way we should be with people. We should always be moving towards reconciliation and redemption. And so, anger um, isn't necessarily righteous. Um, but what you do with your anger certainly can be. Yeah, and I think, it, like you said, if, if anger moves you closer towards others and towards community and uh, further away from things that hurt at one another and isolate us, then, then your anger is becoming righteous. Um, but you have to be careful in that word righteous because so many people think their anger is righteous. Um, <laughs> Like, sure. I don't know if we said this yet, but the people at uh, bomb abortion clinics, well, they're angry, um, but that doesn't seem like a very righteous way to go about it. So sure. um, definitely things that move us towards one another, um, help us to draw attention to the issues and maybe sort through them when they can be sorted through. So I hope that helps answer Lauren's question. I, I do think in the day-to-day, um, yeah, I mean... Learning to be honest with ourselves and one another and with God is is probably part of that. But I also think it's okay to be angry at, at some of these issues we see in society. Um, Certainly. As long as we're gracious in the way we deal with it, I think. I, I think we always want to move for redemption on both sides. Um, because, right. you know, the whole uh, killing the bad guy. You know, we find out that uh, Marvel teaches us this, that if you kill that bad guy, there's going to be a new one tomorrow. Um, and and yeah. and so we want to see... And maybe you might find out the bad guy is you eventually. Absolutely. You might d- discover if, you know, which I think is... And then you want to have grace for the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, you want to, you know, and we've got this kind of uh, mentality right now where we're doing that. We're going back and, I mean, Disney's undoing a lot of their dichotomies um by going yeah. back and making movies that tell the bad guy side of the story and uh, right you know, yeah uh, so we we've realized this as a society and so we need to we need to be careful how we exercise anger i think uh if you're if you're not sure whether or not your your anger is righteous um uh don't surround yourself with a homogeneous society 
uh, or community. You know, uh, in, invite the stranger. Better yet, don't just invite the stranger. Go be the stranger. Um, yeah. Uh, go put yourself in a place uh, that you that maybe you have some anger towards, uh, and and investigate. Uh, exactly what it is that's making you angry and maybe provide opportunity for yourself to be the stranger and see what it's like to be unwelcome. That way you become more welcoming and instead of being polarized, you become, uh, you know, a, a place where, where people are free to to come and share and, and be a part, uh, even if they're not sharing all the same ideologies as you. You know, that, that might yeah. go a long way towards dealing with anger and making... Uh, your activity, your, your, what it motivates you to, what that anger motivates you to will, will more, more likely become a righteous thing if you're willing to do those. Uh, yeah, we've talked about it before, but uh, I liked your definition of an enemy as someone whose story you haven't heard yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So go hear some other We can end story. with that again. Sure. Go hear some other stories and maybe that will help you temper your anger. You may still get angry, but you might understand a little more where the other person is coming from. And I think so. And that might help you in dealing with it in a loving response as opposed to a polarizing, as you said, response. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, man, this has been good to get back together. I missed you last week. I missed, yeah. like I said, I missed being in Kansas City at some points, but it was really hard to miss too much. <laughs> I had a really good time. Well, you, you so, missed a good talk on making yourself the stranger. Um, and I, I kind of got that from uh, the Hong, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hong, who who spoke at uh, yeah at M nineteen, and man, they did a wonderful bang up job. And I, I've heard a lot about that incredible incredible things that they had to say. Uh, and uh, but but I think uh, uh, you know we could do the world could do with a church that uh, instead of talking so angry about things. Uh, could talk more lovingly about things and tell a story of how love uh, love covers over a multitude of sins and and breaks down our anger. Uh, and so yeah, well, that's good. Hey man, love you. Love I'll see too. you next week. All righty, we'll All talk right. soon. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.